more and more people are finding podcasts and podcast episodes on Google. When they ask a question in Google, if Google finds a relevant podcast episode that answers their question, that episode may show up in the search results. Of course, you want your episodes to have a chance to show up in the search results. So today we're going to talk about how to optimize your podcast so it has a better chance of showing up in Google's search results. Welcome back to Podcast Launchpad. A lot of what I'm going to share with you today will involve podcast websites or your business website with a podcast blog. When your podcast is a marketing tool for your business, I highly, highly recommend putting your podcast on a blog on your business website. You want your business website to get the SEO from your podcast, and you want listeners who visit your podcast website to have easy access to check out your services and to get on your email list. I did a whole episode on this last week. So go back and listen to episode 64, podcast website versus podcast blog for all the details. I'll also be discussing podcast specific things you can do to optimize your show for Google. So even if you're using the web page that comes with your podcast hosting provider, stick with me to get the podcast specific tips, even though you're limited in what you can do SEO wise with that site. The website info will be essential for you if you have a standalone podcast website or if you if your podcast lives on a blog on your business website, then this is particularly important. So let's dive in. Let's say you're a health coach who has a podcast on plant-based nutrition for women over 40 to help them boost their energy, improve sleep, and balance hormones. That's your niche. And let's call your show Better Health for Women Over 40. I'm not finding such a show in Apple Podcasts, by the way, and it's not an ideal name because it's a bit too generic, even though it does tell exactly whom the show is for. All right. Now, Janet is a 45-year-old woman, and she's Googling, can hormone imbalance cause gut issues? Well, your podcast covers that. You've got episodes on that. Shoot, you've got services for that. You definitely want to come up in Google's search engine results. How does Google determine what pages to show in the search engine results page? Pages or SERPs, S-E-R-P-S. The main factors Google looks at when selecting pages to display include the meaning of the query, relevance and usability of the pages, expertise of the sources, and the freshness of the content. So let's look at each one of these separately. So for meaning, Google tries to decipher the meaning behind the user's query. So that is, what is the, the user really looking for? What are they really asking? So as you've probably experienced yourself, or as you probably do yourself, people tend to ask questions in Google, not just type in a word or two. 
These questions or even question word phrases are known as long tail keywords. Some examples are, how do I market a digital course? How do I start a podcast on a budget? And can hormone imbalance cause gut issues? The phrasing of these questions is important because if you type in digital course marketing, you get totally different results from how do I market a digital course? I tested it out. Same thing with podcast budget, totally different results from how do I start a podcast on a budget? Now, what does this mean for optimizing your SEO for, for your podcast? You need to be sure to use long tail keywords in your podcast description, in your episode titles, in your show notes, and in your SEO settings on your website, whatever kind of website you have for your podcast, whether it's a standalone website or it's your business website with your podcast living on a blog there. In fact, I try to use keyword bridge questions as my episode titles whenever possible. In the future, I'll be doing an episode on how do I start a podcast on a budget. I've done episodes called, how do I pick a niche for my podcast? How do I name my podcast? And what's the best way to share my episodes on Instagram? These are all exact questions that people ask Google. So when people ask those questions in Google, my episodes have a chance of showing up. When you come up with episode topics, you can type the idea into Google and scroll down to the section called People Also Ask. You'll find a list of exact queries that are commonly asked in Google. I also, I also recommend using Answer the Public. Type in your question, or not your question, type in just a few words, and you'll get tons of other similar, not other, you'll get tons of questions based on those words. So these are long tail keywords that you can use to form your episode titles and even episode topics just based on a couple of words. It's fabulous. Let me mention real quick that outside of Google, here's how Apple Podcasts prioritizes its search. It goes by podcast name, podcast description, episode title, then episode description. So if Janet is looking for hormone imbalance or gut health in Apple Podcasts, your show won't come up right away because it's called Better Health for Women Over 40. The only word in common there is health. And there are tons of other shows with health in the name. So you'd want to make sure to have those keywords, hormone imbalance and gut health in the podcast description. Then you'd want to have them in specific episode titles and in the episode descriptions. So go back and listen to episode 47 on how to create scroll stopping titles for more info on that. Moving on. How about that relevance and usability of pages part for Google? For relevancy, Google scans pages to confirm that the keywords a user is looking for 
are on the page, but Google won't show pages that are stuffed with keywords. So if you're going to write lengthy show notes, like a blog post style show notes about an episode on hormones and gut health, you don't want to write out either of those phrases dozens of times. That's keyword stuffing, and Google will ding your site for that. Relevant to Google also means having other relevant content on the page, including images, videos, or lists. Now, for Google to know that those assets are related and relevant, you'll have to label them correctly when you upload them to your site. So make sure to use the right keyword in the image title, for example, and use descriptive text for the alt text for images. That's in the settings when you upload the image. It has the image title, and you can change that. You know, whatever title you have for it in your files, you may want a different title once you upload it to your website. And alt text is to help people with seeing impairments, their reader will read out the image to them. And it reads whatever you've put in there as the alt text, descriptive text. All right, with usability, Google prioritizes websites that are mobile responsive and that load quickly. So make sure that your site looks great on mobile devices. So for example, you want header images to resize, and I don't mean like to be wide and small, you want them to look great on mobile, not look like a mini desktop site. So it has to be mobile responsive, not look like a miniature desktop site. And run a speed check on your site. If it loads slowly, the first thing you should do is look at the size of the images on your site. They may be too big and that can significantly slow down your site. All right, for expertise of the sources. Ha, ah, I, this is a bit rigged, if you will. That's, that's not exactly the right word. Circular, um, self-fulfilling. So what I mean is that once a site is considered an expert or a domain authority is the, the accurate term, it is really, really tough to top it or even to get on page one if page one is filled with domain authorities. So domain authorities are popular websites that Google believes are trustworthy. These websites get lots of backlinks. That is, tons of other websites have links that refer back to domain authorities' websites. So if you are a health coach, you can't compete against WebMD, right? You can never write enough blog posts or produce enough podcast episodes to compete with WebMD, right? That is like the ultimate domain authority. That and Cleveland Clinic and Johns Hopkins, right? Domain authorities on all things health. Online marketing. Amy Porterfield, domain authority there. Neil Patel, domain authority. Really, really tough to compete against those guys. 
not impossible, but really, really tough because they're already established. So many other websites link back to them. So they have years of backlinks, years worth of backlinks. So that's what I mean by circular, self-fulfilling, not rigged in a negative sense, but it's hard to overcome that. You may be a very, very expert and trustworthy site, but Google doesn't know that except based on how many other sites tell Google, yes, she's an expert. Yes, we trust her. Uh, so what does this mean for your podcast? What can you do? To boost the expertise of your podcast site, or ideally your business website that's that has a podcast blog on it, you'll need backlinks. The fastest way to do this is by being a guest on other people's podcasts. They'll put a link back to your website. Now, you could also write guest articles on other people's blogs. That is so much more time consuming and more difficult to find people who will let you write guest blog posts or guest articles. It is much easier and much faster to do a guest podcast tour, if you will. You can do a bunch of those, a bunch. Now, when your podcast is a marketing tool for your business, this is one of the reasons that I so highly recommend putting your podcast as a blog on your business website. When you appear as a guest on other podcasts, you'll be giving them the link to your business website. It's best not to give them too many links to follow. First, you don't want to confuse or overwhelm people with too many links. You know, which, which one do you really want them to click on? You know, if you give them your business website, a separate podcast link, an Instagram link, a LinkedIn link, what do you really want them to click on? What is the main or the one call to action? Because you know they're going to go click on social media and stay there. All right, so second, related to that, and this is super, super important. Many people don't set external links to open in a new tab or new window. So this means that, all right, what's an external link? When I have a guest on my show and I put links to their website or, you know, if they want me to put multiple links, I'll put multiple links. And I have those links open in a new tab or new window so that my website does not disappear when you click on their link. My website stays open in this page or this window and their website opens in a new window because I don't want you leaving my site. I want you to stay on my site while you open their site in a new window. That's really important to do. So when you don't set it up that way, what happens is opening an external, oh, and by the way, an internal link then is when I put links to other episodes in my own show, then that does not open in a new window. I hate that. If you're going to click a link to something within my own website, you're staying in that page or that window. I'm not going to make you go to another window. No. So 
when you open an external link that stays in the same window, it means that the page you were on disappears. It makes the new website appear in the same window. So when you have guests on your show and you have their links in the show notes on your website, be sure to have them open in a new tab or new window. You do not want your website to disappear and have their site open in your, in your window instead, okay? So if a host has your site open in the same window as their site, their site will disappear. And you may be thinking, who cares? Great, great for me. No. This may, if you had multiple links in their show notes, if you gave them a link to your business website, to Instagram, to LinkedIn, to a separate podcast website, and, and to what else, you know, to whatever else, if you gave them multiple links and now their webpage, their website disappeared, this means that the visitor won't easily be able to go back to follow any of the other links of yours that were listed there. So if they followed your Instagram link, which is not really an important link because you don't own your followers on Instagram, then that visitor missed out on going to your website. That one is super important because they could have gotten on your email list by going to your website. They could have checked out your services by going to your website. Most people are not going to hit the back button to go back and find the other links that they didn't click on, especially if the first link they clicked on was to a social media account. Once they're on Instagram or Facebook, you've lost them, right? They are going to keep scrolling. They're going to get sucked into reels. They're going to get sucked into their Facebook friends' cat videos. They're not going to hit back to see what links of yours they missed. So consider sharing just one link when you're a guest on other people's podcasts. And don't make it a social media link. Make it a link to something on your website. All right. Finally, let's look at freshness of content that Google prioritizes. This is super easy for podcasts because ideally you are publishing a new episode every week. So you are constantly and consistently creating fresh content. Google loves fresh content. Google prioritizes websites that are frequently being updated with fresh content. So you've pretty much gotten that covered. But here is what else you can do. Go back to old episodes and update them. Find newer episodes that relate to old ones and put links to the newer ones with a little blurb about how it's related into the older ones. Not every one of them, but you know, wherever it's appropriate, wherever it's relevant. Now you've freshened up that content, Google will notice it. And if you have some kind of significant update, add a little note in the post that reads, updated on blah, blah, date. Google can read that and your visitors will appreciate seeing that the info is fresh. All right, let's do a quick recap. 
first, keywords. Use them in your podcast name, use them in your podcast description, episode titles, episode descriptions, and show notes. I didn't mention earlier, when your podcast lives on a blog on your website, make the navigation title podcast, and that's what's going to show up in the main navigation menu at the top of your website. Making it the name of your podcast will just be too long, and and it runs the risk of having the navigation menu spill over into two lines, and that just looks bad. So keep it simple and have that read podcast, but have the, in settings for the podcast blog, have the page title be the name of your podcast, because that'll help SEO. When someone is searching the name of your podcast, then Google sees that on your website and as the name of the blog. So have the page title be the name of your podcast. Second, make all the content on each episode post relevant to the topic. Seems obvious, but avoid keyword stuffing. You will get dinged for that. And consider adding other relevant assets, such as images, videos, or list. Third, make sure that your website works perfectly on mobile devices. Make it look gorgeous. You know so many people look at or visit websites on their phones more than they do on desktop now. So it needs to look fabulous on phones. Fourth, work on getting backlinks to your website. And the fastest way to do this is by being a guest on other people's podcasts. Finally, keep publishing new episodes on a consistent schedule and go back to update old episodes. Following these tips will help Google find your show and your episodes more easily, and that will help you grow your audience. Now, this doesn't happen overnight, so be consistent and have patience. That is it for today. Be sure to follow this show so you don't miss a single episode. And I will see you next time on Podcast Launchpad. 